Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of In the Crease with Danny and Kevin, a coast-to-coast discussion of D2 men's lacrosse. I'm your co-host, Kevin Stentrum, and with me, as always, is the Marshall Dillon of D2 lacrosse, <laughs> Danny Moran. Hey, Danny, how's it going? <laughs> the Marshall Dillon? What are you talking about? Well, uh, so I actually used that last year, and I usually hate to reuse one of your grand titles and tributes, but I had to pull that out this time because for our coaching changes, series of episodes this being our first one we are starting by heading out west all the way out west uh, you know we bring the marshal back you know i see i so see i see <laughs> well i'm doing real well kevin how are you doing tonight in northern virginia i'm doing really well it's a beautiful beautiful august evening here we are we are actually recording this really early i mean this one's going to come out in october but it's because we get a chance to get the coach on and when you get the chance to get the coach on you you start recording that's right you know these chances are very far and few in between so when they can get on we will we record and and here we go tonight we have some uh some real cool stuff tonight yeah we do we're changing it up this year you know usually we start off with just what the regular you know the teams that are, are programs that have coaching changes that have been established and then the last episode we do the new teams well, this year there's seven new D2 teams coming in. In so we're going to flip it, and we're going to start with all the new teams this this series of episodes. And like I said, we're going to head west, and we're going to go to Concordia University of Irvine first. The Eagles, really interesting background, Danny. We heard about them coming out sometime this spring during the season, but this team has been MCLA. D2 champions and MCLA D1 champions. And when was the last time they won their championship? This was last year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Virginia Tech. So I yeah. think they seem pretty ready to step right into D, uh, NCAA D2 level. So why don't we just bring the coach in of that team, Jesse Foss, to tell us about his program. Hey, coach, how you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Yeah, t- thank you so much for taking the time to come on the uh, In the Crease podcast with the two knuckleheads. Two dads that never played lacrosse, but but love it, and uh, so here we are. We're we're a new squad. We're in Division Two. Tell us all about it. Yeah, we're excited. You know, I'm obviously I got hired in uh, fall of 2018, first season 2019, and and then the intention of the program at that point was to move to NCAA Division Two, and obviously things got a little held up with COVID, right, and the uncertainty yeah. of all that when 2021 and 22 and 2020 and 2021. Um, but then kind of got it through that and, uh, the school had, had made it a priority that they wanted to see this happen. Um, they thought it was the right fit for, for the school and for the athletic department. And, um, you know, they went full steam ahead and, and here we are. So excited to be part of the NCAA division two and, um, kind of hopefully carrying it out West. Now. So are you joining the RMAC this year or are you going to be independent? We'll be in the RMAC this year. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good. So we talked about the championship pedigree that your team has. Do you think you're poised to come in and make some noise? Like I said, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jinx myself like that. There's no way you're going to say that. Um, I mean, I would say that, you know, we've been set up to be successful um, with the support we've gotten from the school and the athletic department. I think we have um, some really great returning players. We have some awesome incoming freshmen, some key transfers. That I think will help us be competitive. We'll uh, we'll talk at the end of next spring and before I say how good we're going to be. 
So I love okay. it. How many, how, I many, love it. how many you got? How many you got on the roster, Coach? Uh, I'll be at forty-eight this fall. Oh wow, that's great! That's awesome. Yeah. So you guys are getting after it at practice, and uh, you'd be able to do all the things of practice that not a lot of new programs can do because a lot of times new programs have twenty-five, maybe thirty kids, and mostly yeah. freshmen. And, you know, at least from from my understanding and and the way things have been going the last few years, I see these new programs coming in. They struggle a little bit. They're young. They don't, you know, have a lot of background or, or senior laden players. But you seem to have uh, the opposite of that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, we've been running basically, and you know, I was can kind of call us a varsity program for the last couple of years here in the MCLA, right? Obviously, MCLA is a mixed bag of schools that take it more like a club route, and some schools that take it more like a varsity route. And our right. school, our, our athletes have been acting and treated like varsity athletes. On campus, so we've been following all pretty much NCAA Division two rules as far as compliance and time for the last couple of years. So, um, you know, our guys are used to strength program and you know all the stuff that you would do in order to be a competitive varsity athlete. So, let me ask you: that was one of my questions, actually, Coach. You almost you basically answered it. What's the transition like, or is there a transition? But you've been running that just like an NCAA D two program. But is there anything? Uh, different. I mean, is is fall ball different? The, the amount of time you can spend with the, the players, or did you run it just the same way as a club that way? It'll change a little bit, and, and not the grand scheme of fall will be the same. The amount is total hours, uh, but how we allot those hours will be different, right? We come in, uh, right. we start school this week. We'll start up next week with our eight hour weeks uh, for a couple weeks there, where we get you know eight hours with the boys, whether it be lifting or practice, meetings, film. Um, and then we get into our actual fall ball, 45-day fall ball window. Um, and then we finish up with the eight-hour weeks to finish our fall, um, which would be different than how we kind of aligned it last year. But honestly, that the total time is about the same. Okay. Okay. What do your players think about the move? Are they excited to to go into NCAA? Have they been waiting? I mean, I'm sure some of them, I'm sure as you recruited, you that's kind of the thing that you're going to be going that way, huh? I mean, a little bit, right? Obviously, you know, there was always it was always the intention. It seemed like it was going that way, but I, I didn't want to sell kids on something that wasn't going to happen. And, and okay. I was very clear in the recruiting process: Hey, when you come to Concordia, this is what this is what I'm offering right now. And things may change, right, for the better here in the next couple of years. But this is what you're signing up for, you know. And um, so I think some guys maybe knew it was coming, um, but it was not something I was selling them on. So. But they're excited. I think they're excited for the the transition of it. I think obviously, you know, whenever you leave a season on a you know the last team standing with the win, everyone's yeah. everyone's a little fresher than coming back in the next spring or the next fall. So everyone's uh, ready to go to this this upcoming week. And so I know I'm jumping the gun here a little bit. Have you been able to plan out what your season, you know, your schedule looks like? Is there anything you can talk about that? I mean, I know it's really early still, but I'm. I'm curious, obviously, you know, we've watched the um, Colorado Mesa and Westminster and the, the, the travel they've got to put in to go against the competition. Are you kind of trying that right off the bat or are you going to try to stay local at first and then move into those sort of things uh, further on? Yeah, no, we're, our schedule is all set for next year. Um, you know, obviously, we, we knew this was going to happen in September, this this transition. Um it got kind of held up a little bit till March, whether, you know, through the school, the NCA, the conference, it kept kind of getting pushed back a little bit. So I can't really reach out to colleges in September yeah. and say, Hey, we're going to go NCAA Division two, you know, start budgeting to come out. So, you know, obviously when we announced it was a little late, so we'll be on the road probably a little more than we had planned, but 
Um, next year we have obviously our RMAC games. Uh, so that'd be our, our eight games, four home, four away with Westminster, Colorado Mesa, Adam State, and CSU Pueblo. Um, Dominican, who's also announced they're going to go Division Two, Right. right. Independent next year. We'll play them home and away. Um, Dominican from New York is coming out, so we'll get a game with them. Oh, wow. awesome. And spring break, we're going to go out to Florida. Uh, we're going to play Rollins, Florida Tech, and Palm Beach Atlantic. So, um, Wow, that's good. Wow. That's a good schedule, Coach. So yeah, so we'll have six home and and uh, six home and eight away, fourteen game schedule, which I think and, and a very competitive group with you know inside the conference and the outside as well. Yeah, Colorado Mesa had ten away games before they had their first home game last year. Yeah, it's crazy, I know. and they went. They did well too. Oh, no, they're know? good. They, so yeah, they did yeah, I mean, well. So, but they they traveled an awful lot, man. So my hope is, is you know, obviously in, in going into 2025 is, and I've already talked to some schools and they just said, hey, you know, we, we would love to throw a Southern California trip in spring break and maybe mix it up where we go to California one year and then go to, you know, Florida the next year and alternate. And, you know, I That's think awesome. some schools, it'd be a great recruiting tool, right? You know, a kid from right. New York, you go to Delphi and you get to go to California every other year and it's pretty, pretty enticing. So. I Definitely. think we'll be able to get some schools to come out uh, in, the, in, the, in the hopefully in the future here. It's great. Yeah, and, and it's fantastic to see some California schools, both you and Dominican, coming in this year. I think that's fantastic. We had one in D2 a few years ago that, that then dropped their program. Yeah, what Notre Dame, you, Dame Namor, right? Right. Yeah. No. What, what do you think about growing the game in the West in D2? Do you think there may be more coming in, in California, even in the West? Is that what your hope hope is i mean i think it would be great to see kind of the, that west grow even more yeah i mean if you look at kind of the school uh you know obviously most of our programs compete in the conference the pack west it's a lot of smaller private division two schools out in cal out west and california there's 12 or 13 teams in the conference uh when we when they announced that we were going to do this a lot of the ad's had reached out and kind of said hey we're we're really liking this idea and um, you know, we want to kind of see how this goes for you guys and, and potentially add. So I think there's definitely some interest. You know, I think Dominican was a school that at first they were like, we're going to keep our eye on this and maybe do it in a year or two. And then we announced and the week later, I think our ADs talked and they said, hey, we're doing it too. So, um, you know, I think I think for the growth of the game, you know, again, I'm, I'm new to Division Two, so I don't want to kind of misspeak here. But I think having conference automatic qualifiers would would be a huge step in seeing totally. it grow outside of you know, the, the, the East coast. Danny and I talked about that at the end of the season last year, Colorado Mesa was really in it, really in it at the end. And, and we had, a uh, someone who was on the NCA select committee talk to us about that. And uh, we understood why it didn't happen in the end, but it's a shame that, you know, schools like yours and Colorado Mesa, Westminster have to do so much travel to get those tough games to try to even be in it. Yep. When, if you have a a good conference in the West, and you and it'd be great, you still play teams on the East, but you don't have to travel ten times before you play a home game. And if you get that AQ, I think that will draw other teams into it because that's the incentive, right? Right, right. So I'm I, I can't wait for that to happen. I hope it happens in the next couple of years because I think that that's going to be a tipping point uh, for a lot of schools in the West. I hope. Agreed. I think that would be great. I think we're headed there. I think we're headed there sooner than later, my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things, even when we were kind of going through these talks with our school and, you know, 
Um, that was one of even for the cabinet of the school, you know, on athletic success is probably not on their main, you know, you know, topics, but you know, they were kind of like, Hey, you know, how does it, how does this work for us postseason? And that was a question that they had. Um, so right, I think right. it is important to schools and certainly athletic departments, you know, if we add this team sport, yeah, we can get enrollment and we can do all that, but you know, are we going to be successful? Is this going to bring some attention to our pro to our school? So. Right, D two D two is tough when you know with the RPI and the way they do it with the you know all the math that's involved and strength of schedule and it's it's pretty tough to get there. You, you know yeah. you have to get a good out of conference schedule and then bang out your your conference and it's it, it's, it's tough to get there. Yeah, but coach, tell us about Florvine, where it's located, and tell us about the school, man. Like, uh, what's it all about there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, location's great. We're in the city of Irvine. Um, you know, we're location-wise, we're about eight miles from Newport Beach and Laguna Beach, right there. Um, we're ninety miles from the from the mountains. We're about an hour north and south of San Diego and LA. So um, location's pretty key. You got yeah. our field, and there's a hill right on top of the field, and you can actually go up there. Um, you can see the ocean, and then in the winter, you can actually see the snow in the mountains too. So, um, oh, that's awesome! It's a really, really cool campus. See Disney work fire fire, or at least the fireworks. Um, in the summer every day from up on the hill. So, um, oh, wow, cool. Pretty cool. It's um, obviously school size. We're about 2,000 students, uh, undergrad, 3,000 with grad students. Uh, we've got 19 sports on campus, all Division II level. Um, about 40% of our student population is athletes. So, it's a big athletic centric school, uh, a lot of support between the programs and, you know, just location, academics. Uh, it's, you know, social environment it's an awesome awesome space to work in and go to school at sounds like it's not a hard sell once you get them on campus it's uh it's tough to get them off i see a lot of east coast players going out to concordia you irvine that's what i see that's yeah i mean i definitely definitely the interest has spiked since we made the announcement we've had a couple kids come in uh, from back east a couple transfers um and and you know a couple incoming freshmen as well and no, I am from back east, so I have some some connections back there, and and we're working kind of with those to to get more guys out here. But yeah, who, you know, I I moved out to California in 2003 after college, um, and I was you know I wish I had figured it out four years earlier. So <laughs> the guys that get figured out, it's, it's pretty lucky. But is most of your recruiting, I would assume, right now, especially with club when it was club, was mainly West Coast Western states. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yes, it is. Um, and, I would but- say. Go ahead. But the talent is still probably great. Yeah, we're we're in a strong hotbed in, in Southern California between LA, Orange County, and San Diego. There's a lot of good lacrosse being played. A lot of kids that don't want to go back east, you know, or right. go back east and check the box, right, and then go, okay, right. uh, you know, I, this is great, but I want to go home. So, um, yeah. you know, I think no matter what, I think my vision of the program really is, is I want to be the program of the West, you know, I, I obviously I'll, I'll take great kids from from back East and I would never turn down a kid from Long Island, you know, but um, <laughs> if uh, you know, I, I like the idea that most, I want half our roster to come within a couple hours of a school. Right. I want. Yeah. To, I, I like that coach. I think that's how you yeah. grow the game even more. Yeah. So without a doubt. And California has been growing in the last five, six years at lacrosse wise. They're really producing some really good teams and players and, They've really come a long way in the last five, six years, California yeah. kids. Yeah, and there's other areas, too, that have still not really been, you know, I, I wouldn't call it California a hotbed, but it's definitely, you know, sought after by college coaches back east. But, 
you know, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, all, all areas that are not being heavily recruited. And there's a lot of talent out of those, out of those states that, um, you know, again, if we can provide opportunity for kids to, to go to a great school and a great location and play NCAA Division II lacrosse, I, I think it's going to be tough to turn down. All right. Now, you said you were originally from East. Where were you from? Uh, Levittown, New York. It's Long Island. Oh, Long Island. I'm in Lawrence. I'm in the five okay. towns. Nice. I can drive like I can drive like this on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that's good. Levittown. So where where did you get your uh, lacrosse background? High school and college and whatnot. So I played Levittown Division. Um, okay. And then I went on. I played at two years at Nassau Community College. Yeah, sure. And then I finished up at Stony Brook University. Great, great. Yeah, oh. Sea Wolves. Yep. Sea Wolves. Yeah. All right. So well, that's awesome. Awesome. So you're bringing that Long Island to the to the West Coast. A little bit, a little bit. So yeah. been out here for 20 years. He's been out here long <laughs> enough. You, you can yeah. hear a little bit of the accent, but he's he's a West Coaster now. But when you learn lacrosse on Long Island, you that's it's a different type of lacrosse on Long Island. And when you bring that back, you know, it's it's different. Yeah. Would you agree, coach? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, but you know, there's been a lot of guys out here that have come out from back East, you know, that are coaching at the high school and, and even younger youth levels out here that are really kind of growing it and, and, and teaching kids the right way to play. And at this point now it's, it's kind of come full circle, right? There's guys that I had coached when I was coaching high school out here that are now coaches uh, and teaching. Right. The game. So it's, you know, it's That's kind great. Of the evolution of the, of the game out West. Well, I'll tell you, coach, it's been great having you on. We are really excited to have your team playing in the RMAC and growing the game out West along with Dominican. But I think it's just going to be phenomenal this year to see it. And uh, we are definitely going to catch some of your games and, and be talking cool. about them because it's going to be, be really fun to see what your team can do with what they did in MCLA and what they bring to D2. I think they'll be, you guys will be competitive against the other teams, not only in your conference, but out of conference as well. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited. It's going to be a, a good experience for our guys and, and, and like I said, good for the game. And, and great for Division Two. Now, we, you know, we're growing the game on the West Coast. You know, to get to California is a great thing for Division Two. And like you said, I think it's going to push us closer to automatic qualifiers. And again, like you, and like you said, that's just going to draw more, pe- more people into it. So. It's the game is growing exponentially. Division two is phenomenal. It might have more teams than division one now. So we're, we're, if we're not over there, we're there close yep. enough with division one as, as we speak. So I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much for coming on, taking the time tonight. I know you've been busy last couple of days. A lot of guys going on to campus and getting things together. It's a lot for a coach. Hey, tell us about your assistance before you go. Yeah, we got some great ones. Um, all and actually, two of them actually played at the Division Two level, which is kind of pretty cool. Pretty cool. But uh, Austin Lazan is our defensive coach. Austin was an All American of Florida Southern, a defensive player. I think he wow. still holds some records and ground balls and some other stuff. But just a really high end student athlete who's academic All American on the field, All American. Um, he's come out here. This is starting year four with us. Um, oh, awesome. Mike Reno is our faceoff coach. Mike was an All American faceoff guy at Colorado Mesa. Uh, and now he's going to have to go battle against them next year. So, um, yeah, yeah, he already, he's already nervous about going to the alumni game in the fall out there. Cause he says he's going to get <laughs> yeah. a lot of crap. So, uh, and then 
Tyler Schweikert um, is our uh, goalie coach. Um, actually, Tyler actually started at Limestone. He's a, a California kid, Orange County. He started at Limestone and then, you know, decided he wanted to come back and played for me for four years at Concordia. Was an All-American uh, goalie for me in 2022. Um, and then now has been on his second year as a, a grad assistant with my goalies. So um, wow, great. pretty complete staff and guys that that have been involved in the program for, for several years now. Well, that's fantastic. I wish you nothing but the best coach. I'm sure we'll have you back on the uh, the podcast before the end of the season. We'll be talking about Irvine a lot this year, I'm sure, because there's so so much new things to talk about in Division Two, and we want to bring that to the masses. So we wish you the best of luck, and uh, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys. All right, Danny. Now we are staying in the great state of California, but we're heading a little over 400 miles north. Up to San Crazy. Rafael, California. Crazy. Right near San Francisco, two, Oakland. Two, two coaches from California on in the same night. This is like a, a, a crazy, this is like a landmark podcast. It, it is, and it's awesome. It's awesome to see that there's two schools from California coming into D2 the same year. Yeah. And the it's same awesome. thing. This program isn't brand new. They've been in MCLA Division Two, I think, since 2015. But it's even more interesting is they were in prior to that they were NCAA Division Two as I as I think I recall from their history, so they're coming back into the NCAA Division Two. Very which interesting, is just really awesome. So let's bring in the head coach to tell us all about that and where they are heading. Coach Sammy Vogel Seidenberg. We'll just call him Coach Sammy. Coach, Welcome, Sammy. Coach, how you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Happy to be here. Happy to talk with you guys about D2 and and the big move. So. Awesome. Coach Sammy, thanks so much for taking the time with us. Big Ranger fan, Kev. He's got Rangers stuff all over the back on his <laughs> background. He's on a Ranger couch. I'm liking this guy already. You know. So are you? Go. I know. I think I never asked you, Danny. Are you an Islander fan or a Ranger fan? Ranger fan. There you go. Okay. There we go. Well, <laughs> yeah, we're we're best friends already. Yeah, we already know where this is going. I'll just shut up and let you two talk. <laughs> well, thanks so much for taking the time coach i really appreciate it so how's it going so far you got kids on campus and you got things moving along right now how's it going yeah it's going great um you know we had uh guys were in on last wednesday uh so our freshmen came in on wednesday and then we had our first kind of team meetings and stuff like that this weekend first day of school is on monday and so they're all back right now they're they're doing some captain's practices on their own. And then uh, we get started on Friday as far as like our first team stuff. So, oh, great. Uh, yeah, so no, it's good. We got, we got a, a very healthy squad this year of 54. So we're, uh, we're wow. pretty, pretty big. So, phenomenal. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Yep. I yep, was going to ask you about that because unlike a new start, you've already been recruiting. You've been, have you been the coach since 2016? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been, this is my ninth season at Dominican. So the, that obviously you've got to feel like that gives you a jump start coming in because it's not like you have all freshmen or in a few transfers, you've got a, a, a team that's played together. So how are you feeling about that? What's the transition? Like, is there really a transition for you? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, I, we, when I came into Dominican, you know, we, we were, in, we did it, we were MCLA D1 and, uh, and I got here it was their second year MCLA first year they were on probation um and we had 12 guys when i showed up here and, oh my lord wow <laughs> yeah yeah and and it took a while for us to get to find the right recruits find the right people to come to a small school in california but 
you know, I think where we are now, you know, we're in a great place. We've had a lot of success with recruiting and, uh, you know, the suicide recruits itself. But, you know, I think what you're saying, like, is there a difference? I think the biggest thing is just getting the guys used to doing something different, right? Um, you know, where in the past we could do whatever we want, right? There's no rules. There's no compliance. There's no hours restriction for practice. We can, you know, first day of school, we were practicing, right? Um, right. We're just gone, right? Where now it's like they almost have to be more on the phone. And I think that is the big difference. And I think what they're most excited about, um, you know, is, to, is that they're coming in and they're having the deal. And as far as like the roster goes, you know, we have, we're about 50 50 of new guys and returners. So we have about 25 returners, about 20. 728 new guys right so um you know everybody came back from that was going to come back from the previous yeah. season and so it's a mix of guys who played mcla who are still not fully sold on d2 and a mix of guys who are all in and ready to go at d2 so right. we're just trying to get them all on the same page and get them excited and, and recognize that being division two is going to be so much better than where we were before and, and nothing to knock the mcla we love the mcla it was a great time i played mcla ball um but I think we're like, you know, the production and the product. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit. You just said you played MCLA. So tell us yeah. about your lacrosse journey and how you got into coaching and ended up in Dominican. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I have a, my, my experience was definitely a little bit different in how I got into everything, but um, I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, I lived out there until I was 13. And then I moved out to Southern California when I was in high school. So, you know, big, big shift there. Yeah. When I got right. out here. It was 2003 and my high school team, Westlake High School, that's in Southern California. We were, it was the first team time there was ever lacrosse at the high school. And okay. we were right. right. And so, yeah, so it was cool to kind of see it grow. And like when I, after playing four years, coming back after college with everybody on the team. Right. Um, so with that too, there was no, there was one, travel program in Southern California when I was in high school and it was the LA stars and they were purple and gold, same color as the Lakers. And right. they did like one tournament and got, you know, destroyed. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> and Adam, out of my seniors, like all the guys that I played with, like think one guy went to play in college that wasn't MCLA. Right. You know, it's like there's right. what that wasn't a thing then. And yeah. so um, I was also a hockey player as you can see, but, um, yeah, and, yeah. uh, and so I, I got recruited for both. So I ended up choosing to go to Humboldt state university up in, uh, Arcata, California, which is about four and a half hours north of here. It's a, uh, small, you know, about 8,000 student school in the middle of the Redwoods. And, uh, yeah. they've had a program, they've had an MCLA program since the eighties. Um, wow. so it's a, it's a pretty well-established program. And, uh, and so I played there for four years and, you know, I, I had some chances to go play D3. I had some chances to, you know, play D1 hockey. And I just was like, I wanted to, I wanted to play. Like I wanted to play. That yeah. was the big thing. I wanted to play four years. I was a goalie. I wanted to start. So I was able to do that. I was able to play four years at Humboldt State and uh, at, as, a goal, as a goalie and starting going there. Um, and a lot of fun, you know, it was a good experience. And, and, and my senior year, I, uh, I blew out my knee. And I got into coaching. I started coaching the the women's lacrosse team there, as well as helping with the men's team. Um, you know, with still being a part of the team, even though I was hurt. So then I was I was a film major. So I decided to go into the film industry uh, after I graduated. Okay. So I was working in the film industry out in LA, okay. and uh, and I was coaching high school at Oak Park High School with Tark Ergen, who played at Cornell. He's a really big name in California lacrosse as well. 
great guy, my mentor for sure. And, uh, and yeah, I was coaching JV there, having a good time doing that and working in the film industry and hating working in the film industry. But huh. I would, every day I would love to just go to practice. Like that was my favorite right. thing. I'm, you know, right, and right. I left my job in the film industry and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to coach. I'm going to just figure this out. I'm going to do it. Like I have played, you know, roll up with MCO and BC ball and I'm going to try and do this, you know? And, <laughs> Yeah, and somebody took a chance on me uh, at Washington Jefferson College back east. Right. Yeah, um, and had a great yeah. year coaching. You know, we did really well. We won the conference at the time, and uh, and I recruited about thirteen guys on my own. Um, and so I, I got, I, I figured out I was really good at recruiting. You know, um, I was learning the X's and O's a bit, a bit more, and then I just, but I knew I was good at recruiting. So after WNJ, I got a, I got, I, I wanted to be a head coach somewhere. Care so uh, I ended up getting the head coaching job at the University of Idaho um, in oh, Moscow. Right. So yeah, and so I got the head coaching job there and came in with similar situation to Anderson. Came in with seventeen guys. Um, you know, had to find guys on campus. It's a frat school, so it's like possible to get people to commit right. to playing. And <laughs> right. Uh, right. and you know, first year we go seven and seven. Um, best record in program history, missed playoffs by a coin flip with 18 guys. And so it was like, all right, this is good. I brought in 35 guys from the university the next year. Um, 25 of them stuck because, you know, we ended right. up with like a 38-man roster, which was the largest roster ever. Um, we ended up having a winning season, uh, making playoffs um, for the first time. Going all the way to the PNCL championship to lose in the PNCL. Right. So it was like a huge turnaround for the program. Um, you know, it's a program that was always at the bottom, right? And and then yeah, and then I I uh, and then I uh, and then I got I started looking for jobs and seeing was out there and um, Dominican opened up and uh, I, I knew the, the previous coach pretty well and he recommended me highly and right, right. Came, you know came in and was like oh it's going to be a program that's established they used to be D two show up with 12, 12 guys and be like, okay, I got to do a complete <laughs> rebuild again. So, um, but you know, yeah. it, it was the best decision I ever made. You know, I love it here. It's an awesome place to coach and, um, you know, really just an awesome, awesome place to be. So that's a good story of like yeah. vision yeah. and perseverance, man. And, and, story. and not building something from scratch, but rebuilding, taking something right. that's kind of in its dormant right. stages now you're starting. Right. And so let me ask you this coach. Was it always the vision since you got there to try to get to the NCAAs or when did that start to come to fruition? Yeah. So when I got here, I mean, that was always my goal. Right. right. Really early on. The person had to that. You know I mean, we were two years removed from D2. You know, we, you know, everybody says, oh, they're not two speakers in the five you know, Mesa. Like that had nothing to do with the drop. And we got the YouTube program because you know, and you decided to go independent. Um, you know, we there there wasn't enough money to be able to go back east all the time and be an independent team. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, the RMAC was starting up, and it just was it didn't make any sense, right? The right. MCLA was right in our backyard. So why were right. we going? So yeah, yeah. yeah, so you know, we uh we we decided to 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 go MC, to be MCLA and and do that route. But for us, the biggest piece was changing the culture. Um Lacrosse right. was not looked at in a good way on campus when I got here. And, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, we had we and we had a we had a history because of what happened at the last game we played at D two, and uh, 
Okay. And for and so for me, it was that had to change, right? I needed to bring in guys who were good quality young men, you know, who were going to build the reputation, and the school was going to get to a point where they really supported us. That was the only right. thing I could do. And you know, I give it to the guy who who I brought in who bought into that. Who day one when I said we're not going to be getting in trouble, we're not going to be causing problems. Like we want right. to be a lacrosse school. Like that's what we want to be. And yeah. We've been able to build that. I mean, it's pretty amazing to see. Like, we're now one of the we're the largest male sport on campus. Um, we're, most, we're one of the most respected teams here. The teachers know who we are, and they like us. We're not getting in trouble anymore, right? <laughs> you know, Thank we God. Have a great culture. Yeah, right. Yeah, we have a great culture. A great, you know, a lot of respect on campus. So it's huge, you know. So we're in such awesome. we're in such a good place that it came to the point where the AD trusted us to be like, hey, we can do this, right? And, um, you know, I would say about halfway through my career at Dominican, I, I gave up on D2. I was like, it's not huh. going to happen, you know, because NDNU closed, right? Yep. And they were the ones that, that I needed to push the most. And right, right. They just weren't into it. They just wanted to be independent and keep doing their thing. And so it was like, and then, you know, Concordia wasn't really sure. Biola wasn't really sure, which is the other one we were talking to. And it just got to a point where I was just like, no, I'm the only one pushing for this and right. I don't see it happening. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but then I realized that the only way we were going to add D2 across at Dominican was to add a women's team. And so that was my next step was, okay, we need to budget. We need to find a way to raise money for the women's team. So we raised a hundred thousand dollars to add the women's team at Dominican, brought in wow. a coach. He did an incredible job recruiting. He brought in um, 25, three months, three months, um, wow. you know, and then last year they go and play in the club and they're just killed. <laughs> like it was, yeah. it was wild. They were being beaten <laughs> by 20 goals year one. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and so it was like, so then we realized that they need higher competition. And in May, we, we started talking about it and we were like, okay, we're going to add women's to D2. We were still thinking two years down the road for, for the men's side. And, right. uh, and we called the RMAC commissioner and the RMAC commissioner said, you know, we want men and women to go. And so then they came back and talked to us and she was like, what do you guys think? And we're like, let's do it. Sounds great. We'll go right. for it. And, uh, and then it, right. it, we, we just, we let it roll. So it was, it, it moved fast. Like we were not expecting it. And like mid May, we were like, we're going D2 and now we've got to figure out that. So it, wow. It yeah. So yeah, are crazy. you going to be independent this year or are you going to be in the RMAC? Yeah. So that was part of the decision process is do we stay another year in the club and then go to the RMAC? Because we have to do the whole, you know, we have, we have to do the whole application. We're not there until they approve us. And, right. you know, they couldn't do it for this season. But we were like, okay, well, you know, I think it'll be better for us to go independent, get experience at the year. And then, you know, at that point, once it's ready, once if the RMAC does approve us, now we're ready to go. So we're doing independent this year. And then we've applied to the RMAC. We're going through the application process now. That's great. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome. So then what is your, have you been like since May or June trying to not only recruit, but come up with a schedule for your next year? Yeah. So we were, it was like, it, as soon as I found out, I called all the RMAC. We were like, we got to get that one. And then we emailed every single D2 school in the country. Uh, <laughs> this, Coach Sammy does not quit. No, I mean, awesome. he has more energy. It's every, amazing. 
<laughs> single D two yeah, school. I'll, I'll, you'll raise a hundred thousand dollars for a uh, women's team. And now I'm gonna I'm gonna email every coach and hound them to <laughs> play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Making stuff yeah. happen, Coach Sammy. Making stuff you know, happen. It's the only way that I could do that is just go all right. in. You know? so, right, right, I mean, right. There's no way I, I look at it. There's no way I'd be where I am. I mean, like I said, I played MCAD two ball at a school that nobody's probably heard of, and you know, and and you know, and I've built a career out of it, right? And I and I've been able to, you know, I just I look hard, I try and learn, and you know, and I just I learn from the people around me, and you know, and then. You know, trying to reach the goals, and this was the goal, and we got there. And yeah, so we emailed every single D two coach in the country, and was just like, "Want to play us?" And uh, everybody was really excited and really welcoming, but most people had their schedules done, right? Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, we make we're making it work this year. Uh, we have a lot of road games, but you know, I think we got a really good schedule. We got a good mix of competition, and you know, some schools have been really great about working with us and trying to figure out ways to make it all work. So. Um, you know, we're excited about it. And then, yeah, recruiting. I mean, you know, we, we, we always try, we, we always had support at CMC level. So we had athletic scholarships. Um, we had full applicants for the university. We weren't a club sport because there was no club sports at Dominican. Um, right. so, so we kind of ran it like a new program, which was, we tried to recruit that role as well. So right. I would say, you know, most of the freshmen coming in, like have the ability to play the level. Um, and then we just wanted to fill in with transfers. And so we got a, we got about six transfers who we were really excited about that. I, I mean, are going to come in and make impacts right away. So, right, um, right. yeah, yeah. That's well, great. coach. I, I'll tell you what, with, with Dominican university coming in and Concordia Irvine with your pedigree, I think there's going to be real competition when you play the art, you just playing the RMAC teams. When the RMAC in another year is up at six teams, it's going to be really fun to watch. You know, because yeah, there's been two at the top, you know, Westminster and CMU, and they'll go back and forth and they'll play great games. And, but now with, with you two coming in uh, and with, with, with background, with, with pedigree, even though they're new programs to Division yeah. Two. They're coming from MCLA programs. They got 40, 50 kids on the roster. They and can get and Coach Sammy's just going to outwork them. That's all he's going <laughs> to outwork them all. He's got the drive. You know that. Yeah. yeah. You know that. yeah I appreciate he's that. He's got yeah. the drive. <laughs> he's got the drive. No, it's really interesting, man. The, the, the Division two is growing exponentially, getting uh, as many teams as Division one, and, and if not more now, I think we're headed towards automatic qualifiers. If we can get a few more teams in the West, and get that West going out there. And I think that's a biggie. And and I think we're headed there, you know. Now we got two teams from California in division two. Welcome. Yeah. You it's, know? Yeah, yeah. It's no, strap it's yourself in, coach. The RMAX, yeah. no joke, man. Oh yeah. No, we're we're ready. We know it. We know it's gonna be hard. So you know, so do you have excited. any like couple of GLVC teams maybe on the on the schedule? Yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, so we have we have all the RMAC schools, and uh, and then we're playing Lewis, Davenport, Tennessee, and Marysville. So we got all Love that it. on the schedule. That well. is and then a Dominican, great Dominican schedule, Dominican. coach. Yeah, yeah. that is great. a great schedule. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so awesome. yeah, it gives us. I felt like it gives us a you know, the right amount of competition that we need to feel where we need to be, and you know, right, compete against some of the some of the best. You know, I'm not getting nerds. There's been one West Coast school to ever make the NCAA tournament, and that's Mesa. You know? And so that needs to change, right? I think there needs to be yeah. 
and the only way we're going to continue to add teams out west is to see the success. So it's not just to get the success in, you know, getting to the, that absolutely tournament, but like building, having rosters, building rosters, not having to travel for every single game, right? Right. Like that. Like, so we need right. other D2 schools to buy into it as well for this. Yeah. Because even if it's going to have if we don't continue to go in the right direction and, and, you know, Armac, you know, hopefully adding us and then, you know, getting those teams would be huge because I think a lot of the MCLA schools who are division teams, universities, you know, they look at it and they go, well, why am I going to leave MCLA where I have an automatic qualifier and I'm not to go to Division two and not compete for anything, right? Right, and, right. You know, but, but our hope is that, you know, and, and I've talked to Jesse about this a lot, but our hope is that in, in you know, three, four years, we have a California conference. We're hoping we can convince some of the schools out here you know, to, to join us or not. You know, they've got to see us succeed, right? If we succeed, right, right. I think more schools will be interested in joining up. So, Yeah, we, we talked to Coach Foss about that, about the AQ would really be an incentive, just like you said, because it, it helps you not having to do all that travel just to get a quality schedule together so that you have a chance now you still want some of those those out of con those good out of conference games because that's right. only going to help you competitively. But now you can focus more regionally, which then right. gets you a chance to still get to the dance. And that is yeah. critical for uh teams on the West Coast or in the West, not even on the West Coast, but in on in the West. Yeah, in the West, yeah. Well, coach, this has been awesome having you on. I'm so excited to watch your team play. Uh, you know, yeah, Coach Foss invited us out, so I'm not putting any pressure on you. But Danny and I may <laughs> have to do a West Coast swing, you know, and Come travel up the the the, yeah. the coastal highway to get up to your to you. We'll have one weekend at uh, CUI, and then one at Dominican University. Yeah, come on out. It's a beautiful place. You won't regret it. It's an awesome place to be. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Well, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time to come on our podcast with us tonight. We really appreciate it. We wish you nothing but the best of luck this season. It's going to be so much fun with all these new teams out West and coming into Division II. Um, so we wish you nothing but the best. We'll be watching. We'll be talking about you guys on the podcast, I'm sure. We'll be talking about players and stuff that they're doing on the field. And we're going to keep it real and keep it positive. And thanks again for so much for coming on. and. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. And if you guys ever need anything, let me know. If you come out to California, you know, we'll make sure to show you a good time. So. Oh, that's great. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, okay, Danny. We're moving a bit farther east with this new program, but we're still west of the Mississippi. William Jewell Cardinals. Brand new program. Ryan Burke was named the first ever head coach june 1st 2022 and he's got some good pedigree he was assistant at montevallo for two years and he played and coached at saint leo yeah with coach jay coach jurgensen yeah, yeah. our yep. favorite been on so let's just welcome yeah. in coach ryan burke how you doing good good thank you for having me i'm pumped to be here anytime hey. i can talk lacrosse so I'm, I'm all for it coach thanks so much for taking the time to talk to the two knuckleheads and in the crease uh <laughs> Uh, we gave you a little warm up of what we're all about. Hey, welcome to Division Two, Coach. Here we go. William Jewell, new program. What do we got? 
Yeah, um, I'm excited. Uh, you know, when we announced, uh, when they announced the program, uh, I've already been in contact with the, the, the former AD for a couple years. It was a spot I was really interested in. Um, I just think the academics really helped separate us. Um, being one of the most Western schools in Division Two kind of helps separate us recruiting wise. Um, and I felt like it had a nice little niche when it came to the academic, um, programs that we, uh, offer here. Um, so got, they gave, they did it the right way. They gave me a year and a couple months to recruit, which awesome. uh, a lot of schools in division two do. Um, and it allowed us to pull in some, some kids that I, I, I'm really happy about with this first class, which is, uh, uh, 33 guys from wow. you know, 18 different states, um, two Canadian provinces. Uh, so we're, we're excited. We're, we're, uh, guys moved in, uh, yesterday and, uh, we have our first, uh, we had our first meeting yesterday and we're, you know, we're off, we're off running right now. Now, are they all freshmen or did you get some transfers in? How'd that go? Yeah, we, we tried the transfer thing. Um, I just don't know how good of a fit it was at a first year program. Um, we wanted yeah. to do it all freshmen, but we dabbled in the transfer portal. Um, but every, every kid's getting a hundred emails that goes into the transfer portal. So we just, we stuck to guys that wanted to build it and knew that, you know, first year is going to be, it's going to be tough. We're going to be younger. We're going to be less experienced. Um, and why I think we have a lot of skilled guys, um, we're going to be playing against guys four or five years older than you. So, um, you know, we, we, we want to build this thing right and it takes time to build something right. So, um, I think we got the right guys to understand that. That's great. That's yeah. Awesome. I'll tell you what, coach. I think that's exactly what you want. You want players who are bought in to start something new and being that foundational people in the program, players in the program. I think that makes a huge difference if they're bought in from that because that's the kind of mentality you've got to have. you got to know that you're, like you said, you're playing people, you're playing players that are probably two, three, four years older than you, bigger, stronger, understand the college game a lot better. So I think if you get them bought in, they realize that that's a great way to go. Walk us through that what that first year was like after you, you know, and waiting, like you said, you thought it was the right way to go. And I yep. think so too. It gives you a little time, but what was that like? Boring. I <laughs> pushed the cross for a year and three months. I was losing my mind. Um, watched a lot of lacrosse, talked a lot of lacrosse, but just didn't get to coach it. Um, you know, selling a vision is, is, is kind of tough. And, you know, a lot of times I would tell a kid, are you, are you sure this is what you want? Because it's not going to be easy and maybe not fun at sometimes. Um, so almost out like, Almost didn't like. You're uh, underselling. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a little interesting tactic, but uh, it, it worked out. And um, just, I mean, just recruits, recruits. I mean, I, I called kids, cold call, you know, text, emails. If they didn't answer one or the other, I, you know, I'd slide into the, the Instagram messages and you know whatever yeah. I had to do to get someone on the phone to kind of talk about what we're doing. I did and. Um, we came out with 33 great guys, but just well, absolutely I'll, boring. <laughs> I'll tell you, coach, 33 in your first year. That's, that's a, a lot of recruiting. That's a lot of texting. And I mean, that's impressive. I mean, typically we've seen Danny and I've seen recently, they may get up 20, maybe 25, right? Danny, that we've seen yeah. in new programs, but not 33. That's. That's pretty impressive. And we, we've had coaches that started programs with 15 guys. I couldn't imagine practicing that way. I wouldn't sleep at night when I had 15 guys because <laughs> I needed to get to 20. And then yeah. when I got to 20, I couldn't sleep because I needed to be at 25. And 
it's just a revolving door in that sense. Yeah, I can see that being a little uh, nerve wracking in, in the beginning, but now yeah. now you got you, you got your guys, you got you settled, yeah. you got your how'd the first meeting go? Good, good. Um, it was more about what's this week look like, kind of with orientation and stuff. But um, next Sunday we we kind of have our team meeting about hey, this is what the fall looks like, and um, here's what we're doing. So uh, a little soft intro meeting. Um, don't want to scare them away too early. So, so I have to say, I have to ask you this because you said you were so bored. I bet you can't wait for fall ball and practices to start. When does that yeah. kick off for you? Yeah, I was a little ner- nervous when these, when these guys were starting to get ready to come here. But now that I've, I've got them all in one place, I've, I couldn't be more excited. Um, we start lifts next week. Um, and then we have our first practice next Saturday where we're just going to let the guys, we're going to pick teams as a coaching staff. Um, I just hired, uh, the uh, graduate assistant um, from LMU. I'm pretty excited about him, a Texas guy. Um, and we're just going to draft teams and we're going to let them play and we're going to film it. And, you know, we're just going to kind of see what we have. I think that's the big part of being a new program is you got 33 guys that, you know, maybe at high school they were attackmen, but maybe they're better fits at midfield at this level and, right. um, you know, all, all different sorts. So we're just going to let them play. We're going to watch. We're going to see what we have and kind of build out our fall a little bit from there. And hopefully, you know, some of the players will say, hey, I get a chance to get on the field, even though I'm an attackman. I get, you know, you're going to make me a midi coach. You know, hopefully they buy into that because sometimes kids can be, you know, I'm an attackman, you know, like, you know, what, what's best for the team, man? Get you me know, on the field. That's what I'm going to me day one. You're not going to be an attackman anymore. You're a midfielder. I said, okay. And he goes, oh, by the way, it's a D midfielder. I'm, like, oh, I'm a D midi now. All right. Cool. <laughs> from starting, starting attacking to D midi in a day. Awesome. Love it. So, you know what though? That's for the best for the team. And that's what yep. it's all about building a culture that's, you know, best for the team. And hopefully yeah, sure. you get those players that'll just buy into that. Yep. So yep. speaking of, uh, of coach Jorgensen and St. Lou, how do you think your experience there as well as Montevallo has helped you prepare for William Jewell? Yeah, I think, um, Brad did a, uh, a great job of, of just kind of letting me, you know, figure it out on my own a little bit. Um, right. You know, that's something I definitely want to do with Andrew. Um, just kind of get thrown in the flames. Um, and, and kind of fail a little bit, but then, you know, figure it out. Um, so that's definitely something that he did for me that I, I enjoyed and, and allowed me to kind of, you know, figure out who I am as a coach. Uh, and then, uh, working with Jason, uh, coach Lang at Montevallo. Um, you know, I've never met a guy that's more empathetic, uh, in my life. I think he just understands you know, what the guys are going through and how to relate. Um, and that's maybe not something early in my career I did a great job of. It was like, I need to win. We need to win whatever we got to do to win. But, um, you got to understand how each, each player, uh, responds and, and what kind of triggers them and, and how they get going. And, uh, I think coach Lang does an awesome job of that. And it's something I picked up on pretty quickly. And, um, it, it really like made a, uh, an impact on me as a coach, like pretty quickly. Um, and it's something I want to bring along with me because I think that's very important in this day and age. Very interesting. So switching topics here, what do you think of playing in the GLVC? I think it's going to be tough. Um, oh. <laughs> losing, losing Lindenwood. Um, we love honesty, coach. We love yeah. honesty. <laughs> I told all the guys, like, it, you know, give it a couple of years. It's probably going to be one of the top conferences again. Um, you know, losing Lindenwood definitely hurt when it comes to uh, the competition level. Um, but I, I had told every guy I got on campus, uh, we expect this 
program to be a conference competitive program, a conference championship competitive program in the next four years. Uh, and if we can do that, you know, we'll have five, you know, five to six teams in our conference that are, you know, nationally or competing nationally, uh, rankings, uh, every week. Uh, our, 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 our top four, uh, teams, um, consistently just beat each other up and they were all yeah. nationally ranked at some point and only four make the conference tournament. Um, right. so to add a fifth in there, it really makes things interesting, but it, it makes it a really deep conference. Um, you know, so that's kind of what our goal is, uh, in the next four years. And I'm excited to kind of help elevate the GLVC a little bit again, um, with Lindenwood leaving, but, uh, you know, it's all, all easier said than done. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, even some of the teams, you know, in the lower half of the, uh, of the conference are still, they played better last year. Yep. You look at yes, Quincy and Davenport. Quincy was very good last year. Quincy Davenport was turning the, turning the tide a little bit. And so yep. I think the GLVC will always be there as a yep. top conference. And like you said, there's going to be about four each, four teams each year, probably this next year that are going to be vying for that top in the top 20 all the time. Yeah, Lewis can be a lot better. I know a lot of the coaches in our conference, Rockers can be a lot better. Um, Maryville's going to do a great job as always. And then you, you, I mean, you know what you and you can do. Right. So, you know, none of those are easy. And Davenport and Quincy, again, like you said, elevated where they were. Um, and we lost some guys to Quincy. They did a great job recruiting. Um, and we, I think we opened with them. Um, so that'll be wow. at the conference. Um, but it'll be, that'll be a fun one. GLBC is tough, man. I, I don't care what anybody says. I think it's a, I call it like the black and blue conference because <laughs> they, because <laughs> they just beat the shit out of each other. They, you know, they just, they really do. And they all play quality lacrosse. You know, they're all real good teams and they're all improving like each year, you know, yeah. take you India out of it. They're, they're a top notch team, but all the rest of the teams are very competitive and very yeah. formidable and go out and fight hard. And a lot of times it's in weather, coach. It's yep. going to be chilly in the beginning of the season, you know? Yep. It's, it's, it's what you get in the Midwest. You get, you get big physical kids that love to, love to kind of bruise each other up. So it's, uh, it makes for lacrosse, a fun lacrosse game to watch. That's no doubt. Now tell us where William Jewell is located yep. and tell us more about the school itself. Yeah, so we're, uh, we're in a northeast suburb of Kansas City, um, in Liberty. Uh, technically we're our own city, but, um, we're kind of on the outskirts of that suburb. Uh, so we're about 15 minutes from downtown. Uh, a lot of rich history in Kansas City with William Jewell. Um, it's very well known in our area how good the academics are and, you know, what kind of students we, we push out in terms of, uh, um, uh, employees. Uh, but, uh, they've, they just now in the past five to 10 years kind of expanded where their students are coming from. And it's the reason they really like lacrosse. Um, you know, again, eight, 18 states or 17 states on our roster. You know, you, not a lot of programs here can say that at William Jewell. Um, so I think that's one thing they really like because we have a good product. Um, our school is very strong. We have some of the best professors you'll find in the Midwest. We were ranked uh, the ninth best teaching school in the Midwest. Um, I mean, Harvard, Cornell, PhD graduates teaching classes, um, but it's just, it's just really well known here. And, uh, you know, we had to expand where our students are coming from. Uh, and we did a good job of that, at least with the men's lacrosse program. Um, you know, getting kids from non-traditional areas for our school. Um, so we were actually an established city before Kansas City was, um, a, a long, huh? long time ago. And William Jewell was around for a lot of that. So, uh, wow. a lot of history on the, on the hill. 
Wow, that's great. That's great. That's interesting stuff. I love it. How yeah. many how many total students at William Jewell? Yeah, we're one of the more selective schools at Division Two. So our acceptance rate last year was only forty five percent. Wow. Um, the year before it was thirty seven. Um, so we're only just under a thousand students. Uh, we are in a growing phase. We've maxed out our freshman dorms, uh, the past two years. Um, so we'll probably be at 1100 in the next two years, 1200 in the next two or three years, but that's kind of like our cap. So, um, that's where we can be even more selective again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we are in a growing phase, like every other private school, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're growing. It's the Harvard of the West. The Harvard of the West. I like that. You said it, not me. <laughs> Forget Stanford. It's William Jewell. So have you eaten a lot of barbecue in Kansas City? Uh I've put on 20 pounds. Take it for what you want. Um we got we got a couple of barbecue spots here in Liberty, and then there's a ton in Kansas City. Right. Uh, it's hard not to, to be honest. I so. bet. I bet. My blood pressure would be through the roof if I was living there. I'll tell you what. Yeah, you gotta go keto. Just yeah. the carbs. <laughs> so I, I I've got uh one more question for you, Coach. You are D two through and through. Yep. What excites you about Division Two? Yeah, um, you know when I first joined Division Two, there was under forty teams. Um, you know when I went to St. Leo, it was us Rollins. I think Florida Southern came along, and the next closest team was Limestone. Um, so we were on twelve hour trips every other weekend to go to North Carolina or South Carolina. Um, and just the, the growth over the past, what, 10 years, um, since I got into coaching has been crazy. Um, and I think that division two needed it, but, um, I'm excited for like where the game's going. Uh, I'm a big component, uh, a big believer in, um, the growth of the game and what this sport can do for people mentally, physically, um, and just, uh, life-wise in general, um, that I just think the growth of it, if it keeps going out West, I wanted to come out West. I just wanted to continue to grow that way. Um, cause more kids will pick up a stick, the more college programs are in the area. And that's, you know, that's just an easy thing to look at. You know, the more college programs you add, the more youth kids see that game, they want to play and then it grows and it just continues. So, um, I'd like to see division two keep going. Uh, I'd like to be, uh, Hopefully at automatic qualifiers here in the next couple of years. I think that's, uh, the thing I'm excited for. That's, we're the only division that doesn't have that. Yeah. Um, and so when we get there, I think the growth continues even more. So I, I think the next five to 10 years, it's going to be crazy at division two. And uh, I'm excited for the youth that get to see that and be a part of it and, you know, hopefully grow with the game. Oh, it's growing. It's definitely growing. Division two is definitely growing and. You know, we're putting, putting players on PLL fields now, you know, and it's, it's, it's really crazy. I, I've seen a ton of division two over the last 10, 12, 14 years. And I just see division one players caliber all over the place on a lot of different teams. There's that kid could be a D one player. That kid is, yep. you know, Charlie got, Bertrand when we we're in the national championship game. Right. And then he goes to UVA and he's a really good right. player in the PLL. Yeah. You know, it can happen. And we had, we had Charlie on the show, man. He came on with us. He's a good we kid. Had a, we had a bunch of D2 oh, guys that went, went, you know, PLL come on to come the podcast with us. And really D2 was their start. You know, that yeah. was the ones who gave them their start. And then look at, look at what the, look at what it did for them. They graduated. They got degrees. They're all good people, good men contributing to society. So. 
Division two, as far as I'm concerned, is where it's at. I've had three boys go to Division two schools. So to, for me, I think it's where you can go and play and still get an education and still enjoy the college life. You know, weekend road trip here and there and that type of thing. Whereas in D1, you might, you're married to that sucker. You, you know, you're not going anywhere without those guys. So. Yeah, I think between a lot of those, a lot of teams has really shrunk too, um, over the past like 10 years. You know, when I first started playing, it was, it was limestone, like limestone was the team and they're still very good programs, still very well run, but there's a lot of teams that are a lot closer to them than they are farther away. Like it used to be. Um, and every year I think you're going to see that, that gap shorten and shorten where anyone can beat anyone on any given day. And that's when we get automatic qualifiers, that's just going to make division two even more fun to watch. Oh yeah. Cause that's the. Yeah, because that's the incentive for, for so many of the schools. Get in the tournament, get in yep. your, your conference tournament and win. Yep. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Survive and win. Survive and move on, right? That's <laughs> like really cool. But yep. you know what? I really think that we're headed that way. I think it's another maybe two years away, but I know that they're talking about it. That yeah, they are. The NCAA is talking about it. It is on the table. So. Maybe need one or two more teams to come up on board and get out to that West, into those Western conferences and build those conferences up. And, or they might have to join another conference, you know, at some point, maybe just combine two conferences. Who knows what, what's going to happen? But I yeah, think I mean, it looks like, um, Dominican is, uh, going to be a independent this year, but then they're going to join the RMAC, which gives them six. Right. The Peach Belt would be the only, the only, right. uh, Conference right. without six, so that's, I mean, that that's that's a good start for uh, for automatic qualifiers, no doubt. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, coach, you were great tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the show with the two knuckleheads from in the crease. Um, we wish you nothing but the best at, at William Jewel. We're going to be watching. We're going to see your players. We'll be talking about you as the season goes on, and nothing but the best. Appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you can have me back on when we have a little bit of success, but we're going to go ahead and get back, get to work and, uh, and, and make our, make our conference a little even harder. So, <laughs> so thank you so much. All right, Danny, for our first episode of coaching changes with the new schools as we switched it this year, right? Because there's so many Concordia, Irvine and William Jewell and Dominican. It was it was great to start out west, I think, and see how those, especially the one new program and two that are moving from club into D two. Yeah, interesting how the how the how Division two is growing, especially out west, and these coaches, um, some of them are going to have a decent team, I think. You oh know? yeah, so, you know, some of them I think are, you know they're they're coming in with club championships. And and guys on their roster, it's, right. even though they're new to Division Two, they're not new programs. You know what I'm saying? Not exactly. brandy new program. So, um, the Division Two grows. It's growing out west. Uh, we got a California team now, Kev, and uh, two of them, two of them. And yeah, I think, that, based on you talk to them, I think based on where they're at with their programs already being club and actually Dominican having been in D two before coming back. I think they're really going to help it grow out West and get more D2 schools in it. Yeah. And uh, if they do well, we get them on our podcast and they get out to more people and uh, more people start learning about these, these institutions out West that are playing high, high level across. And 
Who knows what the future will bring to these teams? But I'm looking forward to seeing these guys play in Division Two. I think, you know, I think some of them are going to be in for a little rude awakening. But you know what? I think some of them might do well. Right, and I think William Jewell is a good example. I, he's recruited well, Coach Burke. He's got a yeah. a great backing from his school. He's got a great background for himself on what he has done, and I think. That will be, uh, it'll be fun to watch what they can do this year. It's going to be fun to watch all of them. And I think it's going to be, it was a great first episode, I think, for our coaching changes. Yeah, tonight was fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. It's been a whirlwind of coaching changes. There's a lot going on, Kev. Yeah, there is. There is. So with that, Danny, I guess for this episode, that's a wrap. Coaching changes. That's a wrap. <laughs>